Taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. And as dark as I know it looks out there, the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom. And it's very exciting to be a part of his great commission. It's Sheila Zelensky. The Sheila Zelensky Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now. Here is your host, End Time Watchwoman, Sheila Zelinsky. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this Friday, June 5th, 2015 edition of the Sheila Zelinsky Show. Folks, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for everyone that really stepped up to the plate and gave me an absolute outpouring of support and financial contribution. I am very, very close to my goal as of noon today very close. So I just want to thank everyone and I ask everyone to continue to support me in this venture. Uh, It's just been a pure blessing to see my listeners get behind me and it's very appreciated. Please know that. I just wanted people to know that I've got a lot of requests for this recurring monthly payment option and I checked into it and sadly it is not available in my area. So please, if you're considering doing a monthly contribution, you're going to have to make yourself a self-reminder to do that. It is just not available, sadly, for me. I thought that could be available, but it's not. So I want to just apologize for that. So you will have to do a self-reminder if that was something you're considering. Folks, I am very excited about the show today. You all know my next guest. He really needs no introduction, but for the new listeners, my guest is Pastor David Langford from The Voice of Evangelism. He is an old school powerhouse preacher. He is one of the few pastors I know that refuses to compromise on the Word of God, and I don't think I know a more prolific scriptorian, and he's a dream come true for those of us tired of the theologically watered down and shallow doctrines of devils out there, and he is one who I consider to be the go-to pastor for the Word of God, and I'm glad to have him back on the show tonight to talk about what's going on in the world. Pastor Langford, welcome back to the show. It's a pleasure to have you back on. Thank you, Sheila. As always, it's a great joy to be with you and your listeners. We appreciate the great work that you're doing for the Lord Jesus Christ, and how he's using you here in this end-time hour to minister to many people and to help people to uh, hopefully enter into the kingdom of God when it's all said and done, because we very well know it's going to get worse here in the time of the end. 
Well, you know, it's amazing. You say time of the end, and yet, <laughs> you know, I look at the headlines, and I sometimes don't know if I should be. Yeah, I mean, Pastor, on one hand, I'm excited that I know Jesus is coming back soon. But at the same time, I'm horrified at what's going on in this world. It's such a cesspool of perversion. And it's hard to keep up with all this decadence and debauchery. And I wasn't surprised at good old just call me Caitlyn Jenner and the godless liberals hailing her as the goddess of the planet. What I was surprised at, though, was the Christians jumping on the bandwagon saying, oh, good for Bruce, you know. And it's like we're finding new ways to celebrate filth and so-called Christians are going along with this. And that is really disturbing, isn't it? Well, I've concluded they're not Christians. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, verse 15, this people draw an enemy with their mouth, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. They only serve Christ from the doctrines and commandments of men and not from the word of God. That's why he said they honor me with their mouth and with their lips. They talk about me, they speak of me, but their hearts, and of course that's the seed of our emotions, our soul, etc., that's where God resides, and uh, the people's heart is not toward God, it's toward the teachings, the doctrines, and the commandments of men. And it's really, it's really concerning, as we witness this here and this end time hour. It's only going to get worse. I was before we went on the air. I was thinking of one of the curses in Deuteronomy 28:28. The Lord shall smite thee with madness and blindness, and astonishment of heart. And that word madness there in the Hebrew simply means insanity, literal craziness. The people would be and do things that are insane, and they would be crazy. And, uh, you know, you, you can't witness any more insanity, any more craziness than a man that won the decathlon. I mean, what an athlete he was. And now he is a purported woman. It's unbelievable. Well, you know, what's really quite stunning is they're hailing him as, pick your word, courageous, heroic. You mentioned that word insanity. It's like insanity, debauchery, and decadence is this trifacto that's going on celebrating debauchery. Look at Isaiah 1-4 says, I mean, it does talk about a sinful nation, people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They are gone away backward. If I've ever seen backward, it's now, isn't it? Well, absolutely. The way you and I were raised and taught in Pentecost is called backsliding. They're backslid. They're estranged at this present time from Christ. And they celebrate, as you well said, that that is evil, they celebrate it as good. That that is good, they celebrate as evil. And uh, the Bible tells us that that's that would be in the time of the end. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Woe to them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Everything is just turned around in the opposite. And um, if you stand for what's right, and this is why the church needs to get prepared for great persecution. And there's going to be a spirit of mercilessness because in Romans 1, 
and 31, Paul said they would be without understanding, they would be covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. And we're witnessing that right now, just like without understanding. Can't you understand that this is error? Can't you understand? Can't you grasp? Can't you fathom? This is not natural. And then, of course, Paul said they would be covenant breakers. If you like your health insurance, you can keep your health insurance. If you like your doctor, you keep your doctor. This is the spirit of the age. And, of course, without natural affection, there's nothing natural, there's nothing normal about a man you know, transgendering to a woman or vice versa. There's nothing natural about that at all. You have to take all these drugs, uh, surgical procedures. Uh, if what it boils down to is demon possession. Uh, Satan has taken control of a person's mind, and uh, they're out of their mind, and God said, I will smite you with madness, with insanity, with craziness. And uh, God doesn't himself put that on the people, but what God does is remove his hand of protection. It allows the enemy then to come in and possess the person's spirit, which we then term demon-possessed. And uh, that will proliferate. If you'll look closely at the Gospels, Jesus dealt with an enormous amount of demon possession. And so that's what we're witnessing right now is demon possession. And, of course, they put people on what I call mind-altering drugs, you know, and I don't mean to be offensive here, but Xanax, Prozac, Effexor, these drugs alter the mind, which is also another Bible prophecy in Revelation 9 and 21. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries. And, of course, the word sorcery there is pharmakia, and we use the English word pharmacy. We call it a drugstore, us common people. And they repented not of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. And so it's all ratcheting up, and, uh, you know, you're going to be a hate speech person. You're going to be a purveyor of discord and disdain because of the truth. People today are attacking the truth. Uh, and what used to be people would stand for what was right and truthful, they are opposed to it. And uh, Christianity is, uh, especially here in America, is getting ready to be thrown under the bus as never before. We're witnessing it all throughout the entirety of the Middle East and other far eastern countries. And uh, it's going to come here to America. And the church needs to be prepared for great persecution. Or they're going to compromise and, uh, and say, you know, I'm going to change my mind on this issue. Just like you know, Peter said, Lord, I'll never, I'll never deny you. I'm both ready to die or to go to prison with you. That's a really key word is compromise. I mean, I was reading headlines this morning and I came across this. Judge Clifford Bellamy is a UK high court judge. And this is what he says. This is what he quotes. 
The modern-day UK family is two lesbian mums, a gay dad, and a transsexual nanny. And just under that headline, I went down and it said, A feminist clergy within the Church of England wants Christians to refer to God as she. And, you know, you talked about years ago, I mean, 50 years ago, these kind of things were totally shunned that today we parade and cheer and hail as, oh, you know, that's fantastic that we're getting with the times. But the world is shaking its fist at God. But the Bible says God will not be mocked, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And uh, we're mocking him. The world is mocking God right in his face. You see, when Jesus Christ ascended back to the Father, he left the church under the control of two things, the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. Both are today eliminated from the modern era church. No Holy Ghost, no preaching of the Word of God. So when you do that, and you hear this all the time on the news in military terms, when you pull out of a country, something fills the vacuum. Well, this is what's filling the vacuum in the church without the Word of God and without the Holy Ghost. Jesus left the church in great care and in great hands. But what he left it in charge with, we have denounced, we have denied, we have refuted, we have argued, we have debated, we have done away with the Word of God and the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. And so here's where we are today. And then if you say anything, you're judgmental, you're bigoted, you're self-righteous. You know, one of the last programs I did with you, I shared, you know, my 40-day fast, and I got a lot of the comments on the Internet were negative. I was arrogant. I was proud. But they forget that the Bible addresses the fact that Paul said in fastings often, Jesus fasted, Moses fasted, Elijah fasted, Esther fasted. So you got these people, in other words, they're religious. They're religious. Now, when we're fasting, we don't tell anybody. But after the fast is done and over with, what difference does it make then? You know, he said, wash your face, anoint your head with oil. Do not appear unto men to fast. But we have profuse records throughout the scriptures talking about men who fasted and women. You see, these people are religious. They don't have a relationship. They, they measure themselves among themselves, and they compare themselves among themselves. Paul said, they that do that are not unwise. So this is why the church uh, has become politically correct for fear of being persecuted or, or being criticized or being talked about. I want to give that scripture because it's really in, in my spirit. Second uh, Corinthians 10, verse 12, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So no one, me, you, no, none of us, we are nowhere qualified to be an increment for spiritual measurement. The only people qualified for that is the Word of God and the Holy Ghost. And so as we witness the, the world going more and more debased, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The word iniquity does lawlessness. You know, everyone is breaking the law in leadership, Obama, Clinton, all of them. But let a layman break the law 
boy, they'll put him in a slammer so quick it's unbelievable. But lawlessness only breeds more lawlessness because Eli would not deal with his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. He, too, fell off the gate and broke his neck. And he knew his sons were committing adultery. There was lawlessness right there in the tabernacle. But he even told his sons, he said, the report, it's evil. But he didn't deal with it. He didn't deal with the sin. And so everyone today, and that's why America, uh, the people are, are getting fed up with the leaders breaking the law, but God forbid that a layman or a citizen break the law of the land. Well, it's really ironic, too, because it was funny. You'll appreciate this. Stephen Anderson, a pastor in Arizona, said on my show yesterday, they've replaced the sword of the Bible with a butter knife. So it's not surprising when we have these new versions removing significant words. Well, fasting is one of the words they removed. And, of course, they removed sodomites and hellfire and brimstone. And it's all replaced with nicer language, more politically correct. And the NIV 2010 version, it actually states, right on there it's a gender neutral bible and now the queen james bible i mean we are in just the days of lot here and in romans 128 it talks about god giving people over to a reprobate mind too doesn't it oh absolutely which means they are void of judgment they have no ability to judge no ability to understand we're told in first john 4 1 beloved believe not every spirit but try the spirit judge the spirit whether it be of God or not, for many false prophets are entered into the world. I am to judge all things. Now, I judge it in the context, is it right, wrong, good, or evil? I don't judge it to heaven. I don't judge it to hell. But I judge it, is it correct? Is it erroneous? You know, if an electrician does not take his uh, little tool there and, and check the wires to see if they're hot and make a good judgment, he could kill himself. And this is what's happening in the church. The church is killing itself because it doesn't bother to test or try the spirit. I'm going to say something might make people mad, but it doesn't bother me. But I, I watched uh, the other night I did a, or several weeks ago, I should say, a program with, with uh, Joe and Doug Hagman. I get wound up after three hours, couldn't sleep. And I, I went back in the living room and I sat down, turned the TV on, was channel grazing the Christian networks. Mike Murdoch was on there. And it was nothing but a professional infomercial begging people to partner with him. I watched the whole 30-minute segment. He'd break away, and people would testify, since they'd been supporting his ministry, how they've been financially blessed. So when he got through and went off there, I looked at my wife. I said, now, he begged for 300 people to partner with him, but he never mentioned for what reason. Widows, orphans, to preach the gospel in all the world, whatever the case might be, he never mentioned why partner with him. All he does is want you just to give him money. Partner with me. Partner with me. Well, when you have a partnership, it's give and take. Well, he's doing all the taking, but not one time did he mention why he wanted people to partner with him. Right. If, if I, as a, a businessman, were to approach you as a businesswoman, and I, and I said, Sheila, let's partner together, and uh, you put up 50000 I put up 50000 Well, we both have a vested interest in making sure that this thing succeeds. Well, you see, that's what's happening to the church. They're afraid to judge anything lest they say, well, you know, judge not that you be not judged. But they, they take that scripture out of context. With the measure you judge, 
is the way you're going to be judged. I don't have a problem being judged. I really don't. If I'm living right, what should I fear? For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. So if you're living a godly life, I don't care what anybody says about me, you know. It's always the sodomites and the atheists that love to quote like they know anything about Scripture, but they love that don't judge. You guys aren't supposed to judge. And you're not. If you're not going to judge correctly, and if you're not going to be accountable for the same type of judgment. You see, this is, this is what's happened to us. So we've, had, we've heard these sodomites and these atheists and these liberals say, you're not supposed to judge. No, 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 no. If you look at the scripture in its correct context, it's if, if you're going to judge harshly, be prepared to be judged harshly. If you're going to judge liberally, then be prepared to be judged liberally. So it, it's how you judge. He says, however you meet it out. It's going to come back to you the same way. In other words, you reap what you sow. So, you know, I know what it means to be drunk. I know what it means to, to, to drink a fifth of liquor. Uh, it's a terrible thing. That's my past. But I recognize what alcohol does to people and to, to men that are drunk. So I'll preach against that say, that's wrong. Say, that, that, that's wrong. Why? Well, I've been there. But, but my walk with God demands I not live there or go there anymore. But I, I'm supposed to make that judgment. And what's happening, we're supposed to preach against sin. But if you start preaching against sin and you name certain things, there again you're, you're a hate monger or you're judging people. You have to appreciate the Word of God to, to understand how to interpret the Word of God. But in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind that sodomy, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So we were... A lot of us, some of those adjectives right there as sinners, but we're not anymore. So Paul had no problem identifying the sin. And, of course, people say, well, you shouldn't name names. Well, he said, Alexander the coppersmith, he did me much evil. He said, Hymenaeus and Philetus have overthrown the faith of many. Galatians 2, he withstood Peter to his faith. He said, Peter, I blame you for this contention in the church. In 3 John, he said, Diotrephes, he loved to have preeminence among the people, and he withstood our words. So they, they, they all the time were identifying people in the church that were, that were doing harmful things. But see, people don't know enough about the Word of God to know that you can identify it. In Romans 16, Paul said, Mark them. Mark them which cause divisions among you. Matter of fact, I had a preacher just a couple weeks ago ask me about that. He said, you know, I've never realized that, but Paul and John, they did identify people who were doing evil. Yeah. And I said, absolutely. So the people would know who to be aware of. Absolutely. And I think about the words of Paul there in 1 Corinthians 5.11, But now I have written unto you not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such one know not to eat. 
Paul is warning us, somebody doing that, we're to have nothing to do with them. And we are to call that out. And the mind-numbing part of this for me is that not only are we not allowed to call people out for their sin, but now we can't even say that it's sin because, you know, they've replaced the word sin with these abhorrent euphemisms like abortion is just simply freedom of choice. Homosexuality is just the more soothing sounds of lifestyle choice. And so, you know, how dare anybody call anybody out for sin? It's always, well, we got to love these people. You know, it's love, love, love. God is all about love. Greasy grace. Kumbaya. Let's just coexist and all get along and come together on what we do agree on. But you can't. You cannot mix darkness with light. John 1, 5, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. When you walk into a dark room and you turn the light on, the darkness is dispelled. It's removed. It goes. Where it goes, I don't know. That is the, if you think about that in the natural, that is a profound change. John three nineteen, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. All the, all the backdoor deals, handshakes, in, uh, in the cover of darkness, uh, not so much in the natural light, uh, but in the darkness of secrecy, privacy, just like Clinton erasing all of her emails on her server. That's darkness. See, this is, it's not just natural light. It's darkness. They operate. Uh, Ephesians 5 and 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. I'm told to reprove those people, rebuke those people. But see, then if you do that, oh, you're harsh, you're cruel. You don't have the love of God. Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, verse 1, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, shall they heed to themselves, teachers having itching ears. Can I tell you, it's hard sometimes to endure sound doctrine? Yeah. It, it, it's like a, a sick patient doesn't want to hear what the doctor's got to tell them. They've got cancer in their body. The doctor doesn't want to tell them that. He wants to give them a good report. But he can if he's an honest doctor, and he tells them, we, we, we've got to get moving. We've we, we, we got to save your life. So he has to tell them the truth. Well, a preacher's job is to reprove and to rebuke and to exhort. Because if he doesn't do that, Paul said they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they will turn away their ears from the truth. You know, a guy like me is becoming prehistoric. I'm a dinosaur. Uh, after I die and a few more, you will hardly have anybody preaching a pure, unadulterated word. I don't say that to say I'm somebody. What I'm saying is, though, you watch what's on television. You watch who is preaching what. And this kind of preaching has been long gone. It's been long gone. Well, when I die, who's going to come back behind me and reinforce these things? Who's going to come back and keep preaching this word? Ravenhill, David Wilkerson, Vance Havener, all these great men of God. Yes. What's going to happen? We need strong Bible-preaching Word of God men that are thundering away in the pulpit, and that's really when 
the Holy Spirit can come in there and use the... There's no convicting Holy Spirit power flowing in these mega churches. You mentioned these mega church TV preachers. Many of them are, they're hauling in the boatloads of money, these telepic pocketists. They're bringing in the millions because, hey, they need their jet fund Creflo dollar bill there. He raised his money for his jet. I mean, what are these guys doing with the vast resources pouring in? And well, they got to buy these, you know, $10 million mansions and trains, planes and automobiles. But the, the stunning thing is when you look at half of these lineups, you were watching the Christian channel there, like howdy doody there, Joel Osteen. He's not called to preach sin. Well, what I want to know, Pastor, is what do these Lakewood plebeians even go to his church for? And they support every new age doctrine of devils out there. And it's just like this Reverend Christopher Bannock, the associate pastor of Family Ministries at First Presbyterian Church in Fort Lauderdale. He says, Christians need to embrace transhumanism because, Pastor, if it's not John the Apostate MacArthur telling everyone, oh, the mark of the beast, that's that's fine. You know, it's these idiots telling people human 2.0 is a good thing. It's a good thing to upgrade yourself. And the arrogance of these mad scientists and these Ray Kurzweil's of the world that they can do a better job than the great I am, the creator of this universe. I mean, the arrogance that is displayed there in their insidious agendas to change men into monsters is not only just pure straight out of the bowels of hell but it's also just pure absolute unadulterated arrogance isn't it well absolutely something else the lord helped me to see a few weeks ago if you'll begin to watch most christian television it has become so contemporary it's like the abc program the view where all the ladies are sitting there talking yeah well, you're witnessing that now encompassing, overtaking Christian television. All of them are sitting around a table now, and, and see, they're not preaching. It's, it's talk show, you know, host. Uh, I, I don't call my radio program a talk show. I'm a preacher. I very rarely have a guest. I only do two days a week. My time is used to preach the Word of God I, I, because that's what I'm called to do is to preach. But if you'll begin to witness, most network, Christian television networks, are copying the secular mindset of having a table with four or five guests, and they're sitting there, and they're talking. And they got that from the world. They didn't, that, you don't see the apostles acting like that. They preached under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. They preached the Word of God. But the, the, the subtleness... This has crept into the church and to uh, television, Christian television networks, and that's what they've become. You, you, don't, you don't see it for what it is until like a few weeks ago, the Holy Spirit began to point it out to me. He said, now watch the, the, the exact similarity. It's like it's being superimposed upon. There it is. It's a talk show. Oh, they'll talk about God. They'll talk about, the, but there's no Bible. There's no preaching. There's no subject, uh, there's no meat and potatoes there, and this is where we're evolving. And uh, like I said, a few more years, uh, guys like myself are you know, prehistoric dinosaurs. Uh, you know, and, 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 and my concern is, and that's one of my greatest concerns, and I really believe that's why the Lord 
began to open the doors for me to be in media ministry was because now all these programs can be archived. They can put YouTubes up. You know, we're working on building our own YouTube channel right now. I'm going to start back to shooting videos again. Wonderful. And when I'm dead and gone, there'll still be a legacy there. If one of my sons, God does not call them to take over the ministry, then, then I'll be one and done. I don't know how much time we have left, but we're going to keep on till there's no longer a message being proclaimed from the pulpits with authority, with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. It's all going to be, you're not going to be able to tell the, the world from the church and the church from the world. That's, that's where we're coming to right now. Well, Satan has really taken everything that God has made, and he's really counterfeited everything, and the whole world is flipped upside down. It's not bad enough that we've got transgendered filth, and i got to tell you a funny story, Pastor. I was in a bathroom in a hotel lobby. I just actually walked in this hotel to use a washroom, and I, now picture this. I noticed a man, there, this is a sign by a bathroom. It was a man and a woman, and a third character on the sign like a half a little skirt and a half a leg. And I said to the lady at the lobby, what is this? She said, oh, that's our transgendered bathroom. You know, if it's not bad enough, we've got the transgendered filth. Now there's a sick, perverted movement called transabled where people just don't feel connected with their body parts. So they're cutting off their limbs. I mean, transgender, transhumanism, transabled. This is the trifecta right out of the pits of hell. I mean, being a Girl Scout now has become optional as Girl Scouts of America accepts boys and transgendered and Obama's forcing his transgender agenda on the school system and he's even threatening to pull funding if these schools don't go along with it. And I've got a trans word for them. How about transform by the renewing of their mind? They should try that, shouldn't they? Oh, absolutely. I don't think it was by happenstance when Joan Rivers made her statement about the couple in the White House. Uh, in less than two weeks, she was dead. Yeah. She, you know, she said, we, everybody knows we got a trainee uh, in the White House. I forget the other comment was, and uh, in two weeks, she's dead. So you're right. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul said in Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. If I have a coffee table and I want to put a lamp on it or a bowl of fruit or something and it's already something on the table, I have to make place. I have to make room for the uh, thing I want to put on that table. Well, Paul said, neither give place to the devil. And that sign is giving place to the devil, half of a woman, half a man or whatever it was. They're giving place to the devil. And this is what's concerning me is that more and more they're giving place to the devil. Those give him his opportunity, give him his room. And the church, regretfully sad to say, is no longer the salt and no longer the light. And when the salt has lost its savor, it's good for nothing but to be cast out into the streets and to be trodden under the foot of men. That's what's going to happen to the modern church. When the foreign troops come on this nation's soil, and these so-called Christians will be thrown out in the streets and trodden under the foot of men. And I hate to be that harsh about it, but we're just at that time and point and place. If people don't start turning, I want to believe God for a revival. I want to believe God to pour out of his spirit to counter this evil. But if the people of God, that's why he said, if my people which are called by my name, 
If God's people don't start crying out to God, if God's people don't start fasting and praying, we're going to be swept away in this tide of iniquity. Well, you're so right. And you know, what's stunning to me, and I guess this is where this is hard for me to wrap my head around, that the Bible is now considered hate speech. And I said on a show recently, Jesus and his church would get thrown out of most churches today. Joe Biden says religious condemnation, that is a violation of LGBT rights and that Christians just by existing, just by existing, we violate LGBT rights. You know, you mentioned our generations dying off. Well, in the last two decades, we've been socially re-engineered, sensitivity training in all the schools and even in corporate America being sensitive because don't bully anyone and don't make bias socially taboo and they demonize and marginalize anyone not going with popular opinion and they're relentlessly teaching millions that no one's entitled to have a strong religious conviction or you're as you said earlier in the show you're a homophobe you're a transphobe you're a racist you're prideful i mean it's just unbelievable and it's just going to get worse i mean you used the scripture a while ago in, in romans 12 and be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what's that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, there are some things that God is not going to accept, but we're willing to accept them because of our humanity and our sin nature. But Paul says you've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, test, what is God's perfect will. Because I, I concluded many years ago, the will of God is perfect. That may not always make me happy. It may not always make me shout and rejoice, especially in my humanity, but the will of God is absolutely perfect. And uh, you've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul in Ephesians 4.23 said, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You see, your mind has to be led by the Holy Spirit. You have to commit your spirit to his spirit. Thereby we know we are the sons and the daughters of Christ. Uh, Romans 8.9, If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're called the sons of God. Mm, yes. we, we, we have to, you know, learn to live and walk in the Spirit. And that's another thing. Galatians 5, 16, 17, this I say, that walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. If you and I personally... Do not strive, contend to walk in the Spirit. We will give over to sin. We both possess the sin nature. It's in our loins. Nothing about my body has been redeemed yet. My soul and my spirit, yes, but my body, my carnal, fleshly man. And that's why there's such a battle. And so, you know, I have to judge myself. I have to say, oh, don't judge anybody. Paul judged himself. You see, we have to even judge ourselves. Am I, is this right or is this wrong, what I'm going to say, what I'm going to do? We judge our own lives. Uh, and if we judge our lives and judge our lives correctly, then Paul said, you're judged of no man. See, now the world, of course, he's, he's writing that to the church at Corinth in, in 1 Corinthians 2. But the world is always going to condemn and be condescending and castigate and impinge those that are Christians. You'll never have harmony with the world. Never. See, that's just like today. Let's come together. There's a difference in unity and being in the same uniform, uniformity. 
the same suit of clothes like like the, the sailor or a navy or marine. But just because you have on the same suit of clothes doesn't mean you have unity. Unity can only come by the Holy Ghost. That's why in Ephesians 4, I believe it's verse 3, Paul said, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. When you labor to keep the unity of the Spirit, there will be peace in the body of Christ. See, but they're no longer endeavor. The word endeavor means to work at it, buddy. You have to work at this. But he said, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So, of course, the Holy Ghost is the, is the peace of God in everyone's life. And I said when the world is turned upside down, and all hell breaks loose, the child of God can still have peace in their heart. I mean, there could be a tempest, and there's coming a great tempest, but the child of God can still have peace in their heart. This whole lighten up and live and let live and tolerance, when the church leaves out conviction and the truth, especially the truth about sin, they really sell out to the world. And what does God say in his word? Friendship with the world is enmity with God, isn't it? Yeah, and that word enmity there literally means hostile, literally hostile towards God. You know, I was thinking about the prosperity gospel the other day in, in, in Exodus. Before they got ready to make their exit, he said, you're going to go get gold and silver and all the fine linen from all the Egyptians, and you're going to take it with you. But you know what they took and done with that prosperity? They made a golden calf and said, oh, Israel, these be thy gods which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And I thought, you see, as much as God wanted to bless, now that, those were a type of reparations for all the years of slavery. God paid them. He paid them greatly. The jewels, the gold, the silver, fine linen, all the things that the Egyptians, in other words, the Bible said, and they spoiled the Egyptians. God allowed Israel as slaves to spoil and get the, the, the riches of the Egyptians before they left and made their exit. Well, they get out into the wilderness and guess what they do with their prosperity? They make a God out of it, and they begin to worship it. And that's why God struggles to bless people today, because he can't trust them. They well proved it's hard for God to trust people with riches, because it ruins them. And so Paul, understanding that in 1 Timothy 6.10, he said, The love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now the word err there in the Greek means they've been seduced. They've been seduced. And that's all you hear today is a prosperity message. And it's corrupt. It's absolutely corrupt because Israel did it. They took the gold and they made a molded calf and said, O Israel, these be thy gods, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. You'll find all that in, in Exodus chapter 12. And I thought, how amazing that God redeemed them and, and saved them and then blessed them with, I mean, an enormous amount of wealth. And what did they do? They began to worship the wealth and not Jehovah God. And so the church is doing the same thing. I've never seen so many hucksters, so many charlatans. It's all about the dollar. And I've preached 60, 70 funerals, and I've never seen one hearse with a U-Haul trailer attached to it. <laughs> you came into the world with nothing, you're going to leave with nothing. And how is it they get the wrong things magnified 
behooves me. I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. It just shows me they don't have a true love for the Lord. They love the world. They love the things of the world, but they love not the things of God. So they are going to drown themselves. Paul said in First uh, Timothy 6 and 9, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and the snare and into many foolish, hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. It'll drown you. And this is what they're preaching to the people. I'm going to help drown you. I'm going to help drown you and preach prosperity, and you're going to be seduced from the faith, and you're going to pierce yourself through with many sorrows. That's what they're saying to the people in a very covert, subtle manner. That's what they're saying to the, to the people. Well, and Mark there, I think it's... 10 or so, it talks about it being easier for a camel to enter into the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It talks about not serving God and mammon. Like Elijah said at the showdown of the prophets of Baal, how long are you going to falter between two opinions? You've got one foot in the things of Baal, one foot in the things of the world. And it really is hard to make a differentiation today between Christians and worldly people. And you were talking about this prosperity and you coined this. In fact, I made a picture of this. God is not your bellhop. And, you know, because you've got Rick, Chris, Lon, Warren, and Joel, I don't preach on sin, Osteen. And I was listening to a clip earlier this week, and here Osteen is actually telling his church congregants to repeat after him, say this, I'm blessed, I'm coming up higher. But he's kept going on and on about, I am prosperous. I have all my needs met. The problem I'm I'm having here, to me, it reduces God to, as you say, some skybound wish-granting bellhop who spends his time bestowing cash and cars upon his followers. And I guess the point is that nowhere in Scripture are we promised, Pastor Langford, worldly ease in return for our pledge of faith. In fact, if you look at the most devout saints from the early church, they usually died penniless with a one-way ticket to prison or death by torture. Absolutely. And what you were saying there about Joel Osteen, people can get mad. That's all right. They want to castigate us. But the word I, I am blessed. I'm going higher. You see, all that is is a form of humanism. And the reason I I say that is because in Luke 12 and 17, the rich man, ground brought forth plentifully, the Bible said, And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns, and I will gather. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods, let it for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night, Thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Now, he used the phrase I six times. That's not by happenstance. That's ordained of God's verbiage. Six is the number of man. And when you hear that man saying, repeat after me, I, 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 he's preaching humanism. We live in a world where it's all about us. And, and you know, it's funny, I was laughing as you were talking because I was thinking of his new book title is called You Can, 
You will. And I guess where I have the problem here is this cotton candy church, as we call it, is so dumbed and numbed and famined for the nutritious word of God that all they really can do is regurgitate this Osteenian mantra of, again, I'm blessed, I'm prosperous, I'm highly favored, I'm coming up higher. And his new book, like I said, is Selling Like Hotcakes. It's the top seller in the Christian bookstores across the West. And in his book, he shares eight undeniable qualities of winners that can help you reach new levels of success in your life. You're created to be a winner. And don't forget, every day can be a Friday. But why doesn't Osteen talk about taking his cross daily or godly sorrow or dying to self. He never talks about sin. He's not called to preach about sin, but you either preach the entire Bible or you put it down and you go become the motivational speaker that you are. It's an abomination. It it really is an atrocity. It's apostasy, isn't it? Well, that's, that's all they are. They're nothing but humanistic motivational speakers. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So they never preach self-denial. I'm going to get higher. I'm going to be better. It's humanism to the utmost. It's really sad. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5, I'm divine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. We all need to understand, without Jesus, we can do nothing. We can do absolutely nothing at all. The Christian's success in this world is all because of Christ. 1 Corinthians 15.10 I, but the grace of God which was with me, I am what I am by his grace, Paul said. Whatever we are, whatever we acquire, whatever place, position, posture the Lord allows us to come into as true children of God, it's by the grace of God. It's not anything that I've done, anything that you've done, you know, reading a man's book, whatever the case might be, that's just, that's just salesmanship, showmanship, etc., etc. We've got to get back to the scriptures. And my concern here in the end is who will keep preaching an uncompromising word when, when I'm dead and gone. Because I don't know how much time we have. I'm looking for a third world war before I look for the Antichrist. I'm looking for a third world war before I believe the Antichrist will come on the world scene. It be out of the ruins of the third world war that the Antichrist will make his debut. He will come on the scene. He'll be his purported Messiah. I've got the answer. I've got the solution. And I had a dream years ago. I was watching a national television program in this dream, and our president was on the television talking, and he was talking about the crisis that we were facing and how the world was in a crisis. And he said, I want to introduce to you a man that's going to help us to solve all these problems. And as the camera began to pan to that man, that's where my dream stopped. I don't know who the man was. But I saw the cohesiveness, how the world will come together and work with this man. Because you see, he's going to lead the whole world against God in the valley of Megiddo at the battle called Armageddon. And so I don't know who the man was. Because as the camera was panning, the dream ended. But he said, I'm going to introduce to you a man who's going to resolve all of our problems. So that showed me 
the cooperation the world will have with the Antichrist, because one of the founding fathers, uh, Henry Spate uh, of the United Nations, said we have too many committees making too many decisions. We need one man, whether he be God or the devil, we need one man to run the world. This was quoted back in the 40s. This is when Henry Spake said this, in the 40s. One man, whether it be God or the devil, we need a man to run the world. So for 70-some years, this has been in the process of this man coming on the scene and said, I'm your answer. We really have to get prepared for this. And one of the things I highly recommend for people, if they haven't already got it, is your Revelation 13 revealed. I've never read anything that breaks what's coming down so great. Well, we got to get in our prayer closet. We do have to be fasting and praying because especially with this same-sex ruling coming down. I mean, Pastor, I think about Ireland saying the big yes to gay marriage, and it's it's a huge Catholic country, and I thought the most hardcore Catholics in the world are just letting the Reformation go to allow same-sex marriage. I hate to use that word. It's just so, it's such an abomination. But, I mean, are you concerned with what's coming down in our country this month? Well, but it was in September of 1998 when I was teaching the book of Revelation while I was pastoring in Charlotte, North Carolina. It took me 55 Wednesday nights to teach the book of Revelation. It was in September of 1998 when I was teaching in the 18th chapter of the book of Revelation, verse 14. And the fruits which thy soul hath lusted after are departed from thee. And the Spirit said, you need to study that word fruits. I'm like, I know what that means, fruit of the Spirit, fruits meet for repentance, etc., but I began to dig in that scripture. And that word fruits is only used there one time and nowhere else in the Bible. It means at evening tide, at the close of the day, at the end of the summer. Before Jonathan Kahn, anybody was talking about fall events, I was preaching this. And what helped me to understand that was Jeremiah 8.20. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. And that showed me that Israel went into Babylonian captivity in the fall of the year, and they were released in the fall of the year, because we know according to true history, October the 12th, 539 B.C., King Darius, the Medo-Persian Empire, came in, overthrew the Babylonian Empire, which was Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, Belshazzar, Daniel chapter 5, the handwriting on the wall. So it was back in 1990 when I began to preach this, and I got so mocked for years, as a matter of fact, I have a, a set of teachings on it, fall events. I termed it fall events. And people mocked me and mocked me. Then when September 21st came along, our ministry exploded because we had three years before that began to teach this. Well, in six months, we were back down to the same level we were before then. Uh, people wanted my, my material. They wanted my books. They wanted all the stuff. Six months after 9-11, it all went down to tubes again. Well, guess what? Seven years passed again. I had a vision. I had a vision a week before the stock market collapsed. 777.68. I saw the vultures circling around this nation waiting for it to die. That was not by happenstance, those numbers. 777.68. Three sevens is 21. In biblical numerology, that means the exceeding sinfulness of sin. 0.68. Six is the number of man. Eight means new beginnings. And what God showed me was that our nation, in September of 2008, was entering into another financial debacle, and our end would be worse than our beginning. 
And you'll find that in Matthew 12 and 43, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. And he saith, I will return into my house from which I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first, even so shall it be also under this wicked generation. That's what you're about to witness in this nation. I'm praying to God nothing happens this fall, but it's apparent to me that we're in some type of seven-year cycle. You know, if the economy does collapse, it will just be like a, a domino effect. It will only compound one problem after another, after another, after another. And Daniel 9 and 2, he said, in the first year of his reign, talking about King Darius, the Medo-Persian, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet. I began to understand, like Daniel, by the word of God, how these things were going to unfold. And he concluded there would be 70 years of Babylonian captivity. So we're in some type of a cycle. I don't sit here and say I understand it all, but I'm telling you this is a very dangerous fall coming up. Very, very, very dangerous. I don't know what it will be. It could be either September or October because there's a leap month in the Jewish Hebrew calendar called Viedar. It falls between Adar and Nisan. Adar is the last month of the Jewish calendar. Nisan is the first month, Exodus chapter 12. God said to Moses, this shall be the beginning of months for you. And then this leap month, Viedar, falls between those two months because every 2.7 years you have to add a leap month to stay synchronous with the lunar calendar. So it's going to be an interesting time, to say the least. Well, you're right. And because it is, I think the scripture that pops in my head is Psalm 50:15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. If you call, Jesus will answer. And I think that is the timely message that people hearing this need to understand is that it is really time to get serious about your walk with God. Enough of this one foot in the world and one foot in the things of God. That is not going to cut it. And what did Jesus say? He will vomit. He will spew you lukewarm Christians out of his mouth. So there's never been a time to get more serious about your relationship with God. Pastor Langford, I thank you so much for your time in coming on the broadcast tonight. And I highly encourage those that email me all the time saying they don't have a pastor to adopt you, Pastor Langford, as their pastor and so into an incredible ministry, The Voice of Evangelism. And you can find that there at thevoiceofevangelism.com. Pastor Langford, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the program this evening. Thank you and God bless you. And I pray, pray all of your listeners be blessed immensely as well, Sheila. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Folks, that was the amazing Pastor David Langford from thevoiceofevangelism.com. Do bookmark that site. And if you have not got Revelation 13 revealed, folks, that is an incredible book. And any of your friends out there that are convinced on the pre-trib rapture, do get his book, The Second Coming, A Second Look. Incredible revelation that David Langford was given after a 40-day fast. It's quite the story, and I highly recommend you go to the website and pick up a copy of that book and give it out to other people. 
And I'm really excited that Pastor Langford soon is working on a project where he will be having a Sunday service live stream. I'm so excited about that. And he will be giving us some updates on when that will start. So that's very exciting news. I'm really, really excited to promote that. Folks, I just want to say to everyone, thank you so much for stepping up to the plate. And because of your incredible outpouring, I am able to stay on the air. And that means a lot to me. And it's just an honor to serve God in that way and to serve with you. So I will be back Monday. And I'm delighted to say that I'm going to have Pastor Mike Hoggard on Monday He is very insightful, and I always really enjoy our times. So we'll see you Monday, and thank you very much again from the bottom of my heart. Good night, and God bless.